<laughs> Travis? Yeah. I, I opened up, I opened my phone up and I, I looked at my block folio. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very sad. Oh man. I, I, you know what? Well, you know, you just, all you gotta do is hodl. I mean, that's the way it is. Crypto goes up, crypto goes down. What are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe, maybe if we invite Ronnie Moes to the show, he could cheer us up. You think? I don't, I'm not sure that he cheers anybody up. But he's a nice guy. He means well. <laughs> we want. <laughs> well, let's see if more Moes will do it. It's episode one thirty three of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hey, this is James Albiter. You're listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Stay bad. Two dudes talking crypto. Two dudes talking crypto. Joel and Travis are just two dudes talking crypto. Oh, yeah. Well, with such a happy song, I'm happy again, Travis. That is good. It sounds like you might have some... Uh, some chemical imbalances you might need to talk about. <laughs> you know what? Actually, the truth is, is I'm pretty unfazed by the dramatic rises and falls. I see it all. And I'm just like, you know what? That's all magical. Internet. And it just it doesn't I don't have the emotional highs and lows. And I think that's why, you know, one of the things that uh many actual financial advisors state, as well as Ronnie Moes, who will be joining us in a moment, is that you never invest more than you could afford to lose. Mm -hmm. And if you have that mindset, then uh, crypto goes up, crypto goes down. You got to know when to hodl. Know <laughs> when to photo. Know when to go to Fiat. Know when to run. <laughs> when to move to Cayman Islands. Well, welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Over 4 million downloads now of the, the show, and we're not even into a year of this yet. So thanks for listening. And uh, if you have some friends that have not yet heard the show, then if you're a true friend, you'll tell them about the show because you'll be like, I want you to be bad, and here's how. Here's how. That's true. Or one thing I like to do is like say, hey, open up iTunes podcast app. All right, hey, search for crypto. Boom, bad crypto. Click that. Those guys are hilarious. You should listen to those guys. And That's great. It's Or you can say, Alexa, play the bad crypto <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if we just ticked off somebody because. Bad crypto podcast. Oh, wow. There she goes. Here it is from TuneIn. Some would say that creating a token... Alexa, stop. God. Yeah, I know. She's always like doing stuff. Anyhow, uh, we do have with us for the... Is it sixth time that Ronnie's with us or the fifth? I can't... Fifth I can't time. Fifth time. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Because I tweeted to him. I go, yes. He goes, uh, he made a comment because I was late. He said noon. We're doing the call at noon. I didn't necessarily see it in my calendar, but then I, Mr. Joel Com calls me at like eleven seventeen. It's like, where, where are you, Ronnie's waiting. I'm like, oh, dude, I was thinking it was noon, 
anyways and so then he calls me out on that on the twitters and then i said well it's a shame that we're it's not going to be a sixth time to have you on the show <laughs> rodney's got a lot to say yeah he, uh, he spent the week at consensus in new york um and so he also has input on the crypto dips which i think heretofore we should refer to as diptos we should not we actually shouldn't do that his projections but before we get to that let's read a few of the funny five-star reviews that you guys have sent in uh, this one is by a name that is just a bunch of consonants strung uh, strung together with one vowel no it's, that's it, that's yeah it's titled the devil went down to bad town i'm gonna try this well the devil went down to bad town he was looking for travis and joel but they flipped it instead turned the devil on his head and both got to keep their soul the gave devil gave chase but he had weak case and he began to get mad one thing's for sure them boys is pure and 100 percent bad go travis and joel run boys run <laughs> nice that's not bad but then uh i'm not sure who the person is who <laughs> did that one didn't fizzle <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Excellent crypto podcast says Skilo. I love the name Skilo. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Um, <laughs> these dudes just chill back and dish out easily digestible crypto knowledge. They got that cruising with crypto Casey Kasem vibe going on, and I love it. I also love me some XLM Lumens, which uh, they did fantastic analysis on during the top 10 crypto countdown. Good luck, dudes. And remember, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Yeah, baby. And you know what? We t uh, that um, the countdowns that we did uh, seem to be really popular. And so we're thinking about maybe taking other coins in the top uh, 100 market cap and five at a time on an episode, you know, covering as many of them as possible, at least with an overview. So uh, keep listening for that. Uh, this guy. Five crypto talking tokens. <laughs> talking tokens. McKinney Tech wrote luminaries. What is crypto? Who knows? Fleeting bits in a computer flipping back and forth. Smart geeks making money at the expense of lesser geeks. Dangling digital bait and waiting for a bite. Dangle, wait, bite, yank, and another coin is born. Some legit, some unfit, all crypto bits. These guys watch for the dangle, give you an angle, and they seem to be expert yankers. <laughs> Wow. Thanks, yeah. McKinney Tech. That was good. Not McKinsey. McKinsey, they have a they have a really good reputation. McKinney, don't know about them, but uh you're a Yanker wanker yourself, man. Uh, you didn't say wanker. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yanker. I don't know Yanker. Train wreck. Hey, those have the same initials as my name. Travis oh, Wright, yeah. train wreck. This nice. podcast is a train wreck, but with a happy twist. Most train conductors have confidence and a smile that says, I know where I, I know what I'm doing. The conductors of this train do not have that. They are proud to be bad, happy to not know anything, and smitten by horrible dad jokes and songs. Somehow, though, they keep the train on the tracks, keep it moving, and actually get you the information you've been looking for. This is definitely the baddest show I listen to, but not the worst. Uh, finally happy wrote that so we are happy that you finally wrote that review and we would invite you guys wherever it is that you submit reviews write us a funny five-star review if you think we've deserved a five-star review mm -hmm. if you want to write us a one-star review uh, that's fine submit it to www.whitehouse.gov send your one-star reviews there i know that you know they like getting criticism they do who, who doesn't like getting criticism though i mean yeah 
Yeah, you guys suck. One star. Uh, anyway, we appreciate that. And please do share the show with a friend. As we said, Mr. Ronnie Moas is back from standpointresearch.com. And let's go to the interview. Back for the fifth time to the Bad Crypto Podcast, a man who needs no introduction, but I think I just gave him one, Mr. Ronnie Moas. Welcome back, the return of Ronnie. Thank you for having me. Is this five? I thought this was four. No, no, no. 60, 70, 80, 106, and whatever this one is. Oh, nice. Number five. Wow. Yeah, he's keeping track. Very good. He has all the numbers down. He knows all the numbers. He's Ronnie Moas. And he's got a new microphone. So he's going to sound, his tones are going to be a little bit more dulcet. And and there's a lot to talk about. I mean, you sent us. My microphone microphone is so good right now. I'm thinking to change my name to communications like yours is. Oh, I see what you did there, Ronnie. Here come the jokes, gang. All right. Uh, No, I was on Wikipedia. I looked you up and they said when your family came over from Liverpool on the boat and landed in Ellis Island. They shortened your last name from communications to C-O-M-M. That may or may not be a lie. Probably is. <laughs> Ronnie's the trickster. He is. But he's got, there's a lot to say because since uh, the last time he's been on the show, some interesting things have happened in the market. Uh, he's done some uh, uh, looking at technical analysis. He's been to Consensus in New York, and I know there's a lot to talk about. So where do you want to start, Ronnie? Uh, we could start with Consensus. That was, that was quite an event. It was uh, last week in New York. I think it was May 14th until the 18th. There were dozens of crypto and blockchain events in New York. It was blockchain week in New York City. And uh, the main event was the consensus uh, conference on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the Hilton Hotel in Midtown. Uh, they have a few hotels in the city, but this one was the uh, the hotel on 54th Street and 6th Avenue. Okay. So how was it? Uh, well, uh, uh, well, the the main complaint that people had was that they sold too many tickets. There were more than eight thousand people there, and this is inside a hotel, so it was basically they turned the hotel into Grand Central Station for three days. You know, they took in twenty twenty five million dollars in revenue, and anybody that wanted a ticket got one. <laughs> they they should have limited the number of tickets that they sold to, you know, five or 6,000 and not sold 8,000. And it probably should have been held at the convention center and not inside a hotel. Mm. Uh, Other than that, uh, I imagine most people that went there were happy uh, with what they got. Uh, There were more than 100 speakers there during the three days, and there were a lot of panels. And uh, me in particular, I didn't sit in on many of the presentations. I was just there to give my followers on Twitter and my subscribers a chance to meet me in person. Because even though I've done a lot of uh, shows in the last year, this is the first one I did in the Northeast. So I got to meet dozens of people from the media, uh, subscribers of mine and followers on Twitter that I had never met before in person. And that was really nice. Yeah, with 8,500 people in attendance or or somewhere around that, that seems to me that that, that should have been at the Javits you know, convention center instead of at, you know, a hotel. And hopefully they'll, they'll fix that next year. And, uh, you know, you said everybody who could get tickets, could get tickets. Joel and Travis could not get tickets. We're not fancy enough to get tickets yet. (laughs) 
Well, not as media anyway. They, they, uh, thanks, Jacob. No, I don't think they gave. I don't think they gave out any any free tickets. I think they took money from every person that walked in there. Well, wow. they, didn't, they didn't take ours. They didn't. Yeah, we decided not to go. You tried- we watched a lot of the different. Oh. Uh, a lot, we watched a lot of the different sessions. I have anyway. I watched a lot of the different sessions online because a lot of those videos are available. What 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 were some of the, the maybe some of the key takeaways or some of some of the things that you think that they maybe should do better? Well, as far as presentations go, I didn't really have time to sit in on many presentations. The the main one that I got to see, the two main ones that I wanted to see was uh, Jimmy Song. Um, I never followed him. I didn't know what his views were on crypto, and I knew he had a big following, so I made it my business to sit in on his presentation. And he scared the shit out of everyone <laughs> uh, because, you know, he, he only believes in Bitcoin. I think everything else is like, you know, a scam or worthless. I think he has maybe two or three names uh, that he would be willing to put money into outside of Bitcoin. I think Tone Vase is in the yeah. same camp, right? Bitcoin Mac. Uh, and then I wanted to see, and then I wanted to see Jack Dorsey. Uh, he was one of the headline speakers there. And uh, he spoke mo- uh, mainly about the square. Uh, company that he runs very nice so there's yeah. there's um you know there's lots of conferences i mean if you actually look and, and take a look at all of the different bitcoin and crypto conferences that are out there there's schedules out there that you can take a look at and there's there's an event pretty much every day somewhere in the world yes so yes. i mean that's one of the things is that i looked at i said well joel i mean we could go to this there's going to be a lot of people there is it really worth our time is it really worth us collectively dropping 10 grand to go to this thing and especially when there's so many other events going on and so we we, we decided to opt out i think no i think it's worth it i mean me in particular not only did i get to meet a lot of people that i had never met in person before but i also gave a few interviews there as well uh coinbase had a really nice studio set up in the hotel on the third level near the ballroom and they they pulled me into their broadcast booth and they did an interview with me and you could see that it's a the link to that interview is on the uh, top, near the top of my Twitter page. And uh, CNBC had a, a, a station set up there and uh, CNBC Africa. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with the Cheddar Network. Yeah, they're, they're I love they're, Cheddar. They also had a, a station set up. And it was nice. I mean, uh, you know, if you like networking and getting to meet people that that listen to your podcast and people from the media, uh, there was something for everyone there. But, you know, the lines to get into the bathroom were long and the lines to get food were long. And uh, there were people that waited an hour or an hour and a half to get their badge at registration. And uh, there were some speakers that you couldn't get a seat uh, because they were filled up. So that's the main gripe is that there were too many people there, but everything else probably I think was not okay. enough. Not I would enough go green M and M's, so that you know, I don't know if I can manage that. But so you know, let's talk about the content of you know, what people were talking about. What was the big buzz? Because you know, traditionally Blockchain Week, uh, you know, if we look at years past, there was usually a bull run that took place concurrent and after you know consensus, and that just didn't happen that week. That, that is a concern of mine because, you know, if they would have had this in January and Bitcoin was at $20,000, I could understand if there was no bounce. But this conference took place following a market overreaction 
to headlines from Korea, South Korea, and Japan. And it also came with Bitcoin down 55% off its high. So the Bitcoin was looking for a reason to bounce off of this conference, and it didn't. And that is a concern. Uh, I sent out a note to my subscribers yesterday that I'm a little bit concerned with the way the market is acting right now. You're hearing now, you know, rumors of Facebook possibly putting out their own currency and other governments coming out with their own currency. You know, I don't think Google and Amazon and Facebook and some governments around the world and all these people that are looking to get a piece of the pie, they are not going to sit on the sidelines and let Bitcoin eat their lunch. So we already went from 500 cryptocurrencies to 1,500 in the last year. And God knows where we're going to be a year from now. And every time a new crypto comes in, it is another place for people to diversify away from Bitcoin. So it's going to be a challenge for Bitcoin to hit the price target that the bulls have right now and to hit the target within the time frame that was originally specified. So originally, if you thought Bitcoin was going to hit $50,000 in three years, you know, it might take four or five years to get there because there are going to be, there's going to be competition. Mm, so McAfee's going to be eating his dick, essentially. Uh, yes, essentially. He, he would, he would still McAfee. disagree with that. Uh, well, look, he made his prediction uh, six months or a year ago, and a lot has changed since then. And it would be very foolish of him not to take those changes well, it's kind into of too consideration. Hard to take it back now. I mean, that's that that's a prediction he made, and and yeah. uh, mm, nom nom nom. It's a big. It's a big prediction. Uh, he's, in, he's in quite a yeah. predicament. that is true good stuff so you know with this market changing so much and as i mentioned i i've started doing some technical analysis i've been learning ramping up on that and and looking at it and a lot of the people who are deep deep into uh the technical analysis from what i've chatted with them uh they think that bitcoin's gonna it has to do one more drop it has to finish this pattern this uh, five fifth wave pattern and they think it's going to hit down to about five thousand before it pops up above 14 and goes between 14 and thirty five thousand. they say that before to make its really big run it has to it has to finish this big move now me not being a big technical analysis guy and i don't know how technical analysis works in your world but what are your thoughts on that i mean is that something that, that you can foresee happening is that part of is that part of it or is technical analysis kind of just some big mythical magical wondrous fictional thing well i am not a big fan of technical analysis and i'm gonna i think it's worth repeating what i've been saying recently in the interviews that i gave uh, I had an interview with Tone Vase a couple of weeks ago, and it was seen 15,000 times on YouTube uh, within a couple of days. And the reaction was overwhelming. I don't think I've ever gotten a reaction like that to an interview. And I will basically tell you what I told him that triggered the reaction. The reason There are a few reasons why I don't believe in technical analysis. The main reason is as follows. Let's say I give you two, two charts to look at, and they are identical mirror images of each other. You are going to give me the same price forecast for each of those charts because they are identical mirror images of each other. But what if I told you the chart on the left is a name trading at 10 times earnings with $5 billion in cash 
and no debt on their balance sheet in a rising industry. And the chart on the right is a name trading at 40 times earnings with $5 billion in debt, no cash in a declining industry. Then what are you going to say? Right. Well, those are part of the things that go into technical analysis, right? It's not just the charts. It's some of that other ancillary information that goes into the full picture. But that totally makes sense if different there's different components that come into play. But then also some of that stuff doesn't necessarily apply in the crypto world, it would seem, because not any of them are going to have, you know, $50 billion in cash. And, and so maybe in the stock market world. But uh, it definitely seems to be interesting because the ones that I've seen that are doing some technical analysis, the guys that are really good, they're they're pretty accurate over and over again. So there's some sort of pattern that seems to be working with technical analysis. It might not be a foolproof plan, but but what is a foolproof plan? Well, the thing, the problem that I have with you looking at a chart on Bitcoin is that nothing I wrote in my 87-page report on Bitcoin is going to show up in that chart which means you're looking at a chart and making a decision on incomplete information. You can argue that everything that is in my report is already priced into the chart. I don't buy that. The technical analysts always take a point of reference that makes them helps them make their argument. You can show me a one-year chart and the stock looks like it's oversold. I'll then tell you to look at the two-year chart and you're going to tell me that the name was overbought. So it's okay to look at a chart, but you have to also look at the fundamentals. You have to look at the valuation. You have to look at whether the company is cooking their books or not. And you have to look at who's sitting on their board of directors. Otherwise, your batting average will never be more than 50%. It kind of reminds me, Travis, of these silly influencer lists that are you know, put out on uh, online where you know they say the top 100 most influential people and they use data purely from Twitter, like how many people are following, how many people engage, retweet, favorite, and all that, but they don't take into account real-world influence, things that they can't measure easily by just pulling in that data, which makes the list kind of BS. And so I'm wondering if that's you know uh, uh, analogous to what Ronnie's saying. No, every, everybody knows that, that you can lie with statistics. It's done all the time false advertising, people misrepresenting what their track record is. So my whole point is that looking at a chart is taking the easy way out. If you're not going to do the fundamental analysis and do comparative, you know, comparisons between one name and the other, and if you're not looking at the valuation and the accounting and who serves on the board, there's no way you're going to beat the market using that approach. So what is a better approach then? If you were to, you know, because there's a lot of people in this space now that that are thirsty for knowledge on how to, you know, gauge the market. They, they're looking at different technical analysis. They're looking at some fundamental stuff. They're looking at things. What tips would you maybe give them to help them in their overall deciding on when to buy and sell? I know that they could you know, sign up for your your list, but you don't talk about every one of these coins that are interested to every person. And so how do people make better decisions then on the state of when to buy, when to sell, when to trade, when to hodl? Yeah, well, I would refer them to a passage in the Bible. It says, make sure that you are very selective with who you choose as your advisors. You can't just listen to every talking head 
that has 50,000 followers on, on Twitter. There are a lot of people like that that have 50,000 or 100,000 followers on Twitter, and 95% of them don't even have an audited track record. So why are you following them? Because all of the other sheep are following them? You have to take the time to figure out who is worth listening to and who is worth taking advice from. Well, don't listen to us because we are not financial advisors. And uh, so let's uh, let's dig then into the current state of the market regarding Bitcoin and the altcoins and where everything is at. What uh, what is your keen analysis tell you of uh, the market right now? Well, the problem I have with the altcoins and obviously, it doesn't bother me right now as much as it did when the market valuation was $800 billion in January. Now we're at $400 billion. So my concern is not as high now as it was four months ago. But my concern with the altcoins is as follows. There is a lot of speculative value built into the coin prices there. And in the next 6, 12, 18 months... If these coins don't show a utility value to validate and justify and back up the speculative value that is built into the coin price right now, they will collapse. This is the same problem that Amazon had 10 years ago. But guess what? They ended up showing us a utility that validated and justified the high PE ratio that the stock was trading at 10 years ago. You know, so... Right now, if you take a platform that has a hundred, a million users, for example, you're buying that coin with the expectation and hope that they have five or 10 million users a few years from now. And if they meet or beat those expectations, you will make money on your investment. But if the growth rate slows down or turns negative, the coin is going to collapse. And that's why you have to constantly monitor not the absolute value of the coin on coin market cap, but the relative ranking. Okay, if the market drops 20% tomorrow, everything is going to drop. So you want to monitor what the ranking is on your altcoin on coin market cap. If something drops 10, 20, 30 places, that is a warning sign that someone may have come out with a better mousetrap. Okay, so as we're speaking right now, you know, we saw Bitcoin a couple weeks ago get over 9,000, dipped just below eight. Currently, as of uh, this conversation, hanging in around 8,500. What's it going to take for uh, the next bull run to trigger? I think that's what everybody's waiting on right here. And it doesn't appear regulation is coming anytime really soon. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, I personally am waiting for a watershed moment. And a watershed moment would be something similar to what you had with the internet users 22 years ago. Uh, 22 years ago, there were only a few million people on the internet. And the watershed moment was when the Netscape browser came online. And that took us from, you know, 20, 30, 40 million users on the internet to hundreds of millions of users on the internet almost overnight. And I'm expecting in the next six, 12 months, well, we're going to get form? something what like that. Yeah, it could come. Well, this, I, there, are two, there are two ideas that I have in mind that could get us back above 20,000. The first one is right now, 
the average person will not go into crypto. They don't want to deal with a treasure device. They don't want to deal with a ledger device. They don't want to have to diversify across several different exchanges in order to hedge their uh, the risk of having the exchange that they're in hacked. They don't want to deal with all of the inconvenience that is involved in being in crypto as an individual, having to protect the money that you have in the market. So what would be a watershed moment is if, if and when someone like Fidelity or E-Trade or Scott Trade or the New York Stock Ex- Exchange comes out and says, listen, all you have to do is go to your online account now and click one button and 5 or 10 or 15% of the money that you have in the stock market or bond market or cash will automatically shift over into an index fund that tracks the performance of the top 10 or 20 cryptocurrencies. So that would be one watershed moment. The other is a few foreign governments saying enough is enough. We have our own currency in our sovereign wealth fund, in our strategic reserves, and it's losing 2-3% a month in its value. We are now going to shift part of that money into cryptocurrency, which we see as a more stable place to invest in. And if a few of these countries follow suit, that alone would be enough to scoop up a lot of what the remaining supply is on the market right now. Does that make sense? That that does make sense. There's a lot of different possibilities of things that could happen. We know that in the crypto world, you know, crypto goes up, crypto goes down. That's pretty much what happens every day. You and and sometimes it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme nor reason to why it goes up one day, goes down another day. And I, I agree on on what you said about it needs to be made simpler because most folks do not want to get on the treasure. They don't understand that. Like you give that you show that to some people and they got to walk through that process. They're just going to look at you with with glossed over deer eyes. They're going to be like, what? It is, it is. I have a master's degree in finance, and I find the whole process overwhelming. I was sweating bullets for the last few months, worrying about what happens if I lose my phone or my phone dies, and I have all these Google Authenticator Uh, You know, I have like five or six accounts that I'm spread out across, and there's a Google Authenticator code tied to each of them on my phone. And it's really complicated to deal with. Uh, Don't lose your phone, Ronnie. uh, Don't don't lose it. Yeah. Well, I never have lost my phone, but, you know, it's a few years old. It could die. What happens when I upgrade from the Samsung 6 that I have right now to the Samsung 9? What happens to the Google Authenticator then? It's, it's uh, basically you go, you it's go into the account and just de- deactivate it, and then you reactivate it on the new device. So it's not too hard as long as you still yeah. have the device. It's when you don't have the device that it's a big challenge. And God forbid if you make a mistake during that process, good luck getting a hold of the exchanges and reinstating your account. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that is not going to help here is that the consensus is that in the marketplace is that the price of Bitcoin is being manipulated. And that shakes the confidence that people have in this new asset class. I am convinced that the price was being manipulated. In fact, I posted screenshots on my Twitter page last month, uh, actually in March, uh, when we dropped below 9,000, 8,000, and 7,000. I posted screenshots showing people that I was buying on the way down because I was so confident in the fact 
that the device was being manipulated. Now, what, how does that happen? You have people that are worth billions of dollars, billions of dollars, that want a diversified portfolio, just like you and I have and want. So if someone has $3 billion, let's say, and they want 10% of their money in Bitcoin, that's a $300 million position. They're not going to pay fifteen dollars or $20,000 for a Bitcoin. What they're going to do is they're going to dump $20, $30, $40 million of Bitcoin on the market. That's going to create selling pressure. The technical analysts then pile on with their sell signals. That creates a panic and a capitulation. And when the market capitulates, those people that dumped $20, $30, $40 million on the market quietly come in and buy back five or 10 times what they sold for pennies on the dollar. So the same people that were selling at 18,000, 17,000, and 16,000 were the same people that were buying at 6,000, 7,000, and 8,000 last month. So I think the individual is starting to realize that they're in a boxing ring, a boxing ring right now with someone who is twice their size. And some people are going to say, you know what? I am not, I don't belong in the same ring with this person. I'm pulling out. Mm-hmm. And this is a currency slash commodity that will sink or swim based on consumer confidence. And when people hear about these manipulation stories taking place, it shakes their confidence to the point where they say, you know what? Enough is enough. I lost half of my money since January. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Playing a little rope-a-dope with Ronnie Moas in the in the in the, the Bitcoin ring. Exactly. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. A great friend of the show, Mr. Ronnie Moes. Thanks for uh, chiming in with the latest. And I have a feeling uh, you'll be back. Yeah, I actually went to that calendar that you have where the speakers, where the people that you're interviewing book themselves. And I actually booked myself to be on your show three times <laughs> next week. Very nice. So exciting to interview you again. Uh, the website is <laughs> standpointresearch.com. Go check out Ronnie Moes's stuff there. And thanks again, Ronnie. Okay, thank you. Big thank you to Mr. Ronnie Moaz. Always love having him on the show. He's a good dude, good heart. You know what? He didn't actually mention this time that, you know, he we should reiterate because we've had such an amazing turnout from our fans. Um, so Ronnie has, he, he participates with this, with charity called foodforthepoor.org forward slash Moaz. And uh, every time you donate money, to them, they're actually feeding very, very poor children around the world. They're building them houses. They're doing all kinds of epic things. He actually didn't mention it on this show, but I wanted to say, hey, uh, foodforthepoor.org forward slash Moaz and help some children. If you've had some good crypto gains, you know what? Pay it forward. Help out some people. Yeah, be nice. Do good stuff. All that good stuff. And thanks for listening. We appreciate that you all are here and part of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Don't forget that the uh, Bad Crypto t-shirt, the one-off that uh, Veza made for Bad Crypto Podcast on the uh, Blood on the Podcast floor, limited edition, only 50 are available. Go to badco.in forward slash Veza. That's V-E-S-A to order your t-shirt if you are really bad. You ain't bad. You ain't bad. You ain't nothing. Yeah, you know, it was actually kind of creepy. If you look really closely at that picture of Vesa, you can actually see 
Joel Com's head, severed head laying there. I guess that's, I don't know. It's really weird. I'm, did you see that? <laughs> no, that's gross. Blood, no, blood, on the, blood on the blood on the podcast floor. Not, I don't know. Not, it's crazy. You got to watch out who you hang out with. Because not, I'm going to stop hanging out with you, Mr. Travis Wright, because you are exemplifying how to. I have to. a katana sword. Oh, stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.